I'm super excited to have Randy Smith from Heritage Flooring. Randy and I, quick backstory, we're uh, connected by our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Craig Spodak. And um, it was during the process of which I was putting together my most recent book, Save Your Asks. And when I was asking Craig, I was like, hey, you know, uh, do you think you can put me in touch with like Tony Robbins and a few others? He was like, no, you got to talk to this flooring guy, Randy. And I'm like, oh, give me a break, Craig. Like, what's a flooring guy going to teach, you know, people out there about how to better network and sell? I'm like, all right. So I end up interviewing Randy here. And I even tell today, I say out of all of my interviews, Randy is one of my favorite ones because what he's been able to do with what I would describe as a very commoditized business has been phenomenal. And, and if, if Randy, I think there's a lot of takeaways for both small businesses, large businesses, medium-sized business, but especially dental practice owners that I think Randy can bring to today's conversation that will have a huge impact on your business. So thank you for joining us, Randy. Um, hopefully you are nice and warm down there in Florida and, um, let's rock and roll. You're listening to tough talk where we dive into the world's greatest entrepreneurial stories with the purpose to inspire you to take your practice to the next level. Now, when you said you were interviewing like some of the most intriguing and inspiring entrepreneurs, I thought maybe we had somebody else on the show, but this is me you're talking about. That's you, Randy. That's you, okay. baby. <laughs> so let's go way back. Let's go. So, you know, why don't you first describe for listeners a little bit about your company? And then I want to go way back to, to how you got to where you are, but give us a, a little kind of rundown as to what heritage all is all about and what you've been able to accomplish in the last couple of years. Sure. Sure. And remember, Chris, I'm a big talker and I got a lot of words. I know. I do about a hundred, I do it about a hundred thousand a day with gusts to one fifty. So shut me up when you need to, when you want to move on. Okay. So, um, so what I do now is I'm an entrepreneur who started a, a business in the flooring business, carpet and tile. And I started in 1983 at my dad's urging. He, he urged me to leave college, which I did after six months. And I, and I got straight A's that first semester. So I'm really I'm proud of that. And uh, I moved to Florida and he lent me money and I started a business and then I lost all his money. And then he joined me and we worked together for 38 years. And we built uh, one of the biggest companies in the, in the country uh, doing flooring, you know, with excess of $100 million a year in annual revenue. And... Um, and it was, it's really a construction business, labor, material, et cetera. Um, it's a commodity business and it's a service business. And I grew to love the business and we had the ups and downs. And then we ended with a, uh, a really good exit selling to a private equity firm in the summer of 2019. And uh, the, the way that story ends, as if anybody's familiar with private equity, and uh, some of your listeners may sell to private equity, is that means you get to work harder for less money. <laughs> so for the last two and a half years, I have worked harder for less money. And I will tell you, I've enjoyed it more because I drive to work without any of the pressures of, of bank loans and, and economy and all that stuff, because everything's good, no matter what happens. And so I just get to keep my customers happy and my employees happy and my installers happy all day long and keep everybody engaged. 
I love it. I love it. And, you know, we've had the privilege of having Randy on with our mastermind group and the feedback from that session, by the way, Randy, I don't know if anyone gave you it was phenomenal. And, and I think there were a couple of themes that came out of that because, you know, on paper, you would look at your business and put it up against the dental practice and be like, uh, I don't know, but there's actually quite a bit of similarity. And, and even if you look at some of the interaction that you and Craig have been able to have and the influence you all have had together on each other's business. Talk a little bit about some of those um, pieces of advice along the way in both of your businesses that you feel like has been impactful. I know of two stories offhand, one of yours and one of his, but um, can you tell that story quickly or not uh, so quickly? You can say it in yeah. as many words as you want, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so first of all, I will tell you that um, uh, I was fortunate enough in my career to get the right advisor, the right accountant, and the right attorney. And uh, if you don't have those, or if you don't know you have the right ones, read up on it, figure it out, and make sure you get them. Because the right advisor, attorney, and accountant can be the difference in 10x or 50x over your career, right? And uh, accountants have this great saying because we all as entrepreneurs walk in and say our business is different and we try to explain it to them and their eyes glaze over and they go, the only people who think your businesses are different are, are entrepreneurs, right? So my, my business is no different than a dental practice, right? I've got customers, I've got real estate, I've got staff, and I've got a customer experience I'm trying to deliver. And if I do a good job, I get paid. And if I do a really good job, I get paid well. Right. And then one day we want to end up on a beach, maybe with an exit or kids in the business or whatever. So. Um, uh, so anyway, so I think that that I'm, I'm right up there with a good dental practice or or uh, orthopedic practice or whatever. Um, so which story particularly would you like me to tell? I think it was a time when you went out to dinner with Craig and you guys were uh, tackling an issue that you were working through with an investor. And Craig helped you and see the light. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so when Craig and I met 12 years ago, we were at a dinner with um, two other guys. And they kind of thought Craig and I were dating by the end of the dinner. Because <laughs> we were like, we were like finishing each other's stories. We had all these same interests and hobbies. We both are like really high energy, high octane people. And so we were just playing beat my story all night. Yeah. And, and so we became good friends and, and, and we, we helped each other. Craig's a little younger than I am. So sometimes he calls me the mentor and he, the mentee, but uh, you don't, you don't give advice without learning something as you give it. And as, and as it gets acted on. So, so Craig and I have a great symbiotic relationship. Um, I was going through a time where I had an investor in my business after going through a bad time. And uh, uh, he'd gotten all his money back and everything was good. And it was time for me to buy him out. And we were wrestling over the price and I was struggling with it. I didn't know what to do with it. And I was getting frustrated and this drug on for months and months. So I go to dinner with Craig one night and I'm telling him the whole story. And I'm like, the investor wants too much and this, that, and the other. And Craig breaks it down and he looks at me and goes, Hey, Randy, didn't you see this guy came in at a bad time and really helped you and your family basically stay in business, save the company? Didn't he mentor you? Didn't he do all that? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he goes, and so now, now 15 years later, you guys are haggling over a price and, um, but wasn't your relationship and what he did for you. And then you 
paid him back and he made a handsome profit. And, you know, uh, what wasn't, wasn't it like an equal trade? And I said, well, yeah, it was. So he said, I think he doesn't feel appreciated. And, and when the words came out of his mouth, I stood up from the table because I lit at that point in time, I was building a new house and I was living in an apartment on top of the downtown area of Del Rey. So, um, so anyway, so my house was right there. So I stood up from the tables, thanked him, said goodbye. I ran home. I, uh, I grabbed the phone and I called my partner and I said, Hey, uh, I just got to tell you something. I said, uh, what you did for me and my family 15 years ago and what you've done as a friend and a mentor, because we're friends also outside of business, um, is irreplaceable. And I feel like I lost sight of the fact of that when we were negotiating dollars and cents. And so what I would like to do is pay you whatever you want because it's worth it. And uh, let's do the paperwork tomorrow. So his attorney sent over the paperwork the next day at my number. I love it. I love it. You know, Randy, at one my, of the- at my number, you got the picture there, right? Oh, you totally. he, just wanted, he just wanted the thank you. That's amazing, right? right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, anyway, it was great. Well, so, you know, one of the things that I, I heard back in terms of the feedback of the different practice owners that were on the call with you, uh, what was that, a couple months ago, was everyone keeps following, following up on this book that you actually recommended to me, Tax-Free Wealth. And I think even in that whole <laughs> area of finance, and, you know, you said, find your, the right CPA, find the right lawyer. Talk a little bit more about some of these um, systems and processes that you've learned through your journey that these practice owners probably may not be thinking about right now. I think tax-free wealth being an, a wonderful resource for a book for people to buy. Talk a little bit more about that. Sure. So uh, when you start in business, you, you, you know, you just want the patient to walk in the door and you want to be able to do your work. And you want to be able to make a profit and then eventually, you know, pay your rent, pay your staff, grow your business, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, you'll read some books, uh, you know, if you're if you're inclined about how to grow your business and how to manage your business and how to build your business. And then at some point, somebody's going to tell you, you need to work on your business, not in your business. Hmm. And that's where all entrepreneurs go. What? What? I was there till 11 o'clock last night, finishing the books on December. Like, well, what do you mean I'm working in my business, not on my business? And the in your business part is what we do, right? We drill teeth, we sell flooring, we do whatever. The on your business is taking the macro view from 30,000 feet and making sure you have the right people, the right staff, you're in the right location, you got the right marketing, you got the right advertising, you got the right products, you got the right, you know, whatever. And, and then on top of that, you are an amateur in business. I mean, a lot of hot shots. I thought I was a hot shot, right? Not in an arrogant way, but I, I just, I was 25, 30 years old. And I, you know, and I, I thought I had figured out. But when you start working on your business and you start looking at it from the outside and then you get the, the advice of, of a great tax advisor and you get the advice of a great attorney, which you don't think you need, but you do. And uh, whether it be uh, partnership agreements, estate plan, I mean, just goes on and on, right? A good business attorney that, that understands your situation. And then an advisor. And, and whenever I say advisor, people go, wait, 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 I got the accountant and I got the attorney part, but what's an advisor? The advisor, you'll know when you find them, it's the person who's been before you and been in your shoes and has all the war stories. And, and when they say something, you know, the saying, the truth rings like a bell. Yep. That's yep. your advisor. 
right? So I would encourage people to make friends, network, find people 10, 15 years older than you. The same industry is helpful because um, Tony Robbins has this great saying, success leaves clues. So if you're running a flooring business, find a flooring entrepreneur who's 20 years older than you and ask them for some time, they'll give it to you and, and, and learn from, from their successes or failures or what have you, because you learn equally from both, maybe more from the failures. So, so uh, it ought to be easy to find a, a, a dental mentor, a dental practice mentor, and, uh, and the attorney and accountant, you'll know uh, when you find them, but you, you need those guys on your team, and then you'll start working on your business. And that's when you figure out that when you're in the business, you're doing a task and maybe paying yourself to do so and what have you, but you don't have leverage when you're working. When you're working on your business, that's where you can move a little wheel that has a massive result in the practice, right? That's when you can change your partnership so that it changes your tax situation by 17%. Or uh, pay yourself a higher salary and hit your your FICA at a certain point and then pay your dividends to another corporation where you can do distributions tax-free. I mean, there's just so much that can be done, but but that same, say, tax strategy that maybe saves you 17% on your taxes, and maybe that's worth 100 grand a year, you can't put in enough hours to make 100 grand a year in the business. So it's important for people to delineate when they walk through the door at 8 a.m. and they walk out at five, that's your day job. Now let's look at it from the big picture with your advisors and make sure you're twisting all the right dials to maximize the value, right? Whether it be owning your building and paying down debt over time, whether it be growing your practice and your patients and your, and your associates or what have you, and then also having an end game in mind. I always knew that at some day I would liquidate my business, right? Because that's, that's what we do. And, um, but I had that goal in mind 20 years earlier. So, so I was on a journey and I knew when I got there, but it wasn't a question mark. Yep. Well, so I'm going to quote you from my new book, Savior Asks. And uh, you may have heard this, me say you that say your words to me and how I basically describe them in the book. But I said, you know what fires up Randy Smith? Flooring. Yes, flooring. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite things about you, Randy, is one of the first things I, I asked you in the process of putting together this story, what motivates you? And, and you said uh, money. You know, m- money, money motivated is a wonderful thing because I don't think there's enough of it anymore. Talk a little bit about that. And and also in that story, I'd love you to incorporate that time you went out to California to to, um, really shadow that mentor of yours and and what that did for your business and how you started to replicate his life in your own as you pursued this, what I would call ruthless pursuit of money. Yeah, it got it sounds so cheap the way you say it. No, I'm <laughs> no, but it's um, not. When you tell so, the story, it's so, so much better, Randy. So, so when when I was a kid, uh, you know, I grew up and my dad was a successful home builder for a long time in California. So I was exposed to the finer things in life, and you know, we had a nice house and nice vacations, and we went to Europe every summer and all that stuff. And then by the time I was about fourteen, that all dried up. Home building market dried up. My dad was in and out of business, and things just weren't good. And um, I, so I wanted to live a life of privilege and I always wanted to get married and have kids, which I did in my early twenties, right? My kids, I was an empty nester and a grandfather when I was 48. 
And um, uh, I wanted to buy my kids cars when they were 16. I wanted them to have, you know, Air Jordans or whatever they called them back then. Maybe I think it was called Brooks. And, um, and, and I knew I needed money to, to do that, right? So it really wasn't the love of money. It was the love of stuff and lifestyle, sure. right? And, and, and I meet so many young people today, including in my organization, that say, Randy, you're so different than me because you're money motivated. And, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I, I'd rather have my time. I'd rather spend money on brunch with my friends on Sunday and have avocado toast. I don't need a house. And, I, you know, that kind of thing. And I always think it's, it, it's cool that they, they put such a high balance on work-life balance. And I always had work-life balance as well. And I was still money motivated. But some of those people, in my opinion, are going to get 10 years down the road and they're stuck at whatever that 80 or 100,000, of course, today, maybe it's 120, whatever salary. And, and some people in life is going to pass them by. And they're not going to be able to do for their kids maybe what their parents did for them. And they're going to wonder what happened. And what happened is they didn't put in the work, you know? Right. And, and everybody in my company wants to figure out how to get to the C-suite. And, and the, the answer is, you know, climb the ladder. And they're like, okay, well, how do I go from rung one to 100? Well, it's going to take time and work, right? So, so uh, when I was uh, 21 years old, I had a Nissan Maxima with a little yellow sign in the back window, and it didn't say baby on board. It said future millionaire on board. <laughs> I and love I have a picture it. of that. Future you, Chris. millionaire on board. And, so I just, I was always money motivated, but in a good way, not in a, not in a bad way. And, um, and so anyway, so I got into business and fortunately, because my father uh, lent me money and helped me out. And um, after 10 years of struggling, ups and downs, almost closing the business down, throwing that, we even had a couple of weekends where we closed, where we closed the business down on Friday and then we thought about it. Monday morning, we went back to work. I mean, that's how, that's how topsy-turvy it was. And um, I got to a point where my dad said, you know, I, I had a friend in California who was my flooring contractor and he's really successful and maybe you could go out and learn something from him. So I would give my dad full credit for this mentor idea. And um, the guy was a guy named Greg Kent and he used to be a Oakland Raider. He's a football player. And when he stopped playing football after his professional career, he bought a little carpet store in, in Cal Northern California and he built this big business and made a lot of money doing it. And then he built a real estate empire and uh, I, I decided, okay, I, I'm going to go talk to that guy. So I called him and he remembered who I was because, you know, he coached my little league team. You know, I knew who the guy was. And um, not only did he offer to spend time with me, he offered to spend three days with me. And I would do that for anybody who called me today, by the way. Right. So, um, so I went out and spent three days with him and he just peppered me with information the entire time. And I had notepads and I took copious notes. Right. And he would say, it wasn't just like, he didn't just tell me, uh, you know, big picture stories. He told me, so you get a three by five card and you put it in your front pocket. And so if you don't have a shirt with a front pocket, go buy new shirts that have a front pocket and then put the three by five card in there. And then when somebody calls you and asks you to do something, take out the three by five card, write down what they asked you to do. And then don't go home at night until you can scratch that off as done. Like literally, this was a 60-year-old guy worth a couple hundred million, and he's telling me to buy shirts that can hold my three-by-five card, right? So, so I spend three days with him from the ground up learning about how he built his business and installation and what his day-to-day -day is and what he does day-to-day. -day. And, uh, and I got all fired up, and I came back to Florida. And I walked in the door, and I told my dad, I said, you know, everything's changing starting today. You know, everything's changing. And I basically mimicked him and copied him right down to I bought a black Ford Explorer and a blue parka. I love and, it. Uh, I mean, 
windbreaker. And I got the shirts with the pockets and I had the note cards and I literally copied him. And one of the things he told me to do, he said, do you know your installers? And I said, no, you know, I got a guy who runs the installers. He goes, you should know all of them and you should know their wife's name and their kid's name and if they have a pet. So I started going to job sites in the morning and meeting the installers and building a relationship with them. So they didn't feel like they were working for an unnamed person, but they were working for, for real people, not just the name on a door. And, um, and then employee relations and customer relations and on and on. I would say it was the most impactful 72 hours of my life. And not only did I come back and figure out that I was focusing on the wrong thing, I was focusing on making money. For 10 years, I focused on making money and it was elusive, right? It was like a dream where you can't really accomplish anything. Yeah. And, and as soon as I said, forget making money, let's take care of the customers. Let's take care of the employees. Let's take care of the installers. Let's make sure we're giving a great customer experience to everybody in the chain. And then suddenly that year I made money. And I made money for 28 years every after that, never lost money one month. Not only that, when the great financial crisis came, my business went from 50 million in revenue to nine, and I still made 10% profit. I still made 10% profit after cutting it down 80%. So, um, so, and and those were the life lessons I learned from that mentor. So um, I would highly, highly recommend if you don't have one, that's like being in a room trying to figure out who the bad poker player is and totally. can't figure it out if you. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> you totally. don't have a mentor. If you don't have a mentor, get one because you do not know it all. Well, and it's funny because one of my favorite conversations is with Craig Spodak, the 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 afternoons after someone in the mastermind shadows him for the day, because that's one of the things that all the masterminders get. And I always know that it's going to be one of those massively impactful conversations because he gets so fired up. He was like, Chris, guess what happened when whoever shadowed me today? And I'm like, all right, tell me like, I, cause I love it. And there's always these epiphanies that, that happen with this shadowing of people that were in your shoes, right? Randy, there's so many practice owners that, you know, they're either using one practice to then float the other, or they're trying to be all things to all people. And why I love Craig so much and like you is that at the end of the day, it comes down to what am I good at? What fulfills me? What do I need to outsource? And then how do I get myself a little bit out of the way, right? In all in, in this business. And and then from that, how do I seek fulfillment? And all of our we could talk about the most amazing tools and tactics that dentists love, but at the end of the day. What is most impactful is these stories of fulfillment that usually come from, you know, mentorships or shadowing or other pieces. And so um, I love that. You know, one of the other things that when I, when I tell, I'm starting to tell your story to a a lot of people. And one of my other ones is uh, using you as the example, I actually changed the way I networked. And, and I, I think I told you this the last time we, we, we talked, but one of the things you taught me in our interview was that the idea of the second that you walk into someone else's house or they walk into yours, if they are a prospect or a future customer, they will never fire you. And I think it was something along the lines that they'll give you a first chance, a first chance, a second chance, like a 90 second chance. But once that personal threshold has been, you know, passed, they won't fire you. So you know what I started doing, Randy, is I, I started actually doing all of my networking 
um, meetings at my house. And they're like, Chris, we're going to your house. I'm like, hell yeah. I'm going to cater in lunch. We're going to sit out on, on my patio and we're just going to connect. And it's amazing. Just that small tactic from taking from your story. Obviously your story is a little different in that you would have, I think future customers call you and be like, Hey, I'm having this issue in my daughter's room with the flooring. It's off balance, blah, blah, blah. And you would go over there yourself as the CEO of your business and help them. But I love that about you. And, and- it's, it, it, it still, it still happens today, Chris. Uh, there, and it's kind of a joke in my office, right? I've got <laughs> 1200 employees. And uh, when somebody calls and says, Hey, you know, my, my daughter needs something for, you know, her, her, my grandchild's room or whatever. I say, Oh, what is it? What's the address? Whatever. And I'll get somebody over there to look at it. And then I get, I'm the one who goes over and looks at it. I love it. I love it, right? That um, is awesome. So, 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 so I'm the one who goes over, meets the people, solves the problem. And, and they say, wait, you're Randy from Heritage? You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Now, obviously that doesn't work for, for every industry, right? Because you can't touch the customer that much. Sure. But if you think about the connection, you know, like one of the things that happens in, in Craig's uh, practice, because I go there, my whole family goes there, what have you. What's amazing is nobody comes through the door and sits in there and gets their teeth cleaned or whatever without Dr. Spodak coming by and saying hello. Mm. My mother calls me and says, Craig comes in and says hello every time. He doesn't have to, but I don't think he lets a patient leave that office that he hasn't made a connection with. Now, in my business, I drive over and I solve a problem in their personal home and they give me millions of business for 20 years. That's not how dental practices work. Mm. But that connection of between one human and another, thanking them for their business, asking if they they feel well served and all that kind of stuff. Craig does it all the time. In fact, every time one of my family members goes to his office, I get a picture of him having a selfie with my granddaughter or my mother. And it's that personal connection that takes him probably 20, 30 minutes a day. And it just, it yields this feeling that like when I go to a family partner and there's 12 of us and we all go to Craig, I'm friends with Craig. None of them are, they're just patients of Craig. Somehow Spodak Dental gets brought up and we start talking about it. And it's because of that customer experience that he gives that's second to none. hundred percent. The other story. I used, to tell him, I used to tell him he's the Cleveland Clinic of dentist, Dentistry. And now I realize that's not, not a correct comment. He's way better than Cleveland Clinic. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, so- for those listening and and kind of given your incredible experience and success, what else do you feel like has, you know, the the most profound impact? I mean, what are some of the things that you feel like you've been able to impart on on Craig along the way that has had a tangible impact on Spodak Dental? What, what do you feel like in terms of uh, all of this stuff, right? Dentists love tactics. They love resources. Like what, what of those things do you feel like you can leave some of the listeners with today, Randy? So, um, uh, what can we talk behind Craig's back? Yeah, yeah he'll absolutely. Never, he'll never get this far. There's a reason he's not on this. Randy. On yeah, yeah. He'll never yeah. get this far on the podcast. No, no. He's ADD. Exactly. So, um, anyway, uh, when I met Craig, he had built a successful practice and he was involved in a bunch of civic stuff, right? He was on every board in Delray. He was political. He was busy five nights a week. He, he, and at the same time, he was building a new business, trying to expand his practice and all this. And I'm having dinner with him every couple of weeks and I'm figuring out and I'm hearing this and hearing that and things weren't always working good for him, right? 
And I said to him, I said, Craig, you know, there comes a time when you got to put first things first and you're not putting first things first. The first thing you've got to do is increase your revenue, increase your patient count, increase your customer uh, uh, exposure, uh, figure out the right advertising and spend less time doing politics because you alienate half your patients and spend less time, you know, doing doing uh, c- community service because you can do that later in life when you've made the money after you built your practice. And I felt like he was kind of putting the cart before the horse, right? And, and, and I'm certainly not advocating that somebody doesn't spend time doing charity and community service and all that, but he was doing, he was out of balance. Mm. So he said, I agree. He got off all the boards. He, he was even traveling around the country to do speaking engagements for dental practices and have an, and, and I'm saying, go back and work on your practice. And then when it's really, really good, then go out and show everybody what you know. And that was 12 years ago. And, and he literally took off and ran with that. And so he was like my little Rubik's cube that I was just twisting to try to get all the colors on the right side. And, um, and, it, was, and it was really great. And guess what he does now? Plenty of charity, plenty of community yeah. service, plenty of whatever. But, um, but uh, you know, lining things up and making sure you're doing first things first are important. Mm. And if, if all of your, your uh, practice owners made a list of what their five biggest issues were and then pick and then prioritize them in order of importance and just plan on getting each one scratched off the list in the next 30 days, they'd be in a whole different place six months from now. But a lot of times we have these things that linger for years. Mm. God, I got to fire bill. Bill's no good. Oh, but you know, oh, I got to fire bill. And then finally, two years later, you fire bill and go, God, why didn't I fire bill two years ago? Yeah. Like, yeah. like make a list of what your issues are and attack that list. Mm. Right. First that. things first. I love that. I love that. All right. Here's my last question for you, Randy, unless you have anything else that you want to add on it. But you know, you, you, one of my favorite exercises is to follow you on Instagram because I can live vicariously <laughs> through your adventures on your sailboat. So, um, you know, as I describe you to others, somehow you've been able to create a work-life balance and, and one that even incorporates that blurred line of bringing family into your business. So can you just talk to, especially those practice owners that are struggling in that area? We hear a lot um, from uh, some of these practice owners that they've, they don't have that balance because so much of their time is spent at the practice and dealing with different things. How, how have you been able to retain that or have you lost it at times? But tell, talk a little bit about that, Randy. Okay, so that, I'm glad you brought this up because that's a that's a great point. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, my kids, if you asked them, would say I'm the hardest worker they ever met. Uh, but it's not just work; it's my work, my play, my adventure, my travel. You know, um, with my wife of 25 years, and 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 you've seen, you know, what it is that we do and all that stuff. But but all the hard work came first and during. And what I realized is the first five or ten years of building your business or your practice. Uh, we, we had a saying at Heritage, we got up to about 100 employees, and there was a saying that said, all roads lead to Randy. All roads lead to Randy. And I answered every question. I solved every problem. You know that term, who has the monkey? The, every employee would walk in the door and put the monkey on my back, and I would have to solve the problem, right? And, and what happened is, uh, at one point, we get, just came to a breaking point where I was miserable I couldn't take any time off, whatever. This is like, we grew from like 10 million to 25 million in revenue. And I was just, if you talk to me, Chris, you would have thought my hair was on fire. I couldn't talk to a friend. I couldn't do anything, right? 
all roads lead to Randy. <sighs> and, 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 and so what we did is I, I just figured out a way to, to hire, recruit, train, and replace the bad eggs, you know, and get the right people in place. And then I would empower them to help with, you know, for instance, like one of the things that happened, I owned the business, I owned the building, I was the first one there to turn the key in the morning. So I had to figure out who do I trust that can open and close? Because you can't even go on vacation unless somebody can open and close, right? And so you start picking who those people are, whether it's your controller or your office manager, figure out who your trust level is, figure out, and, and then you play the game and it takes about a year or two when anybody comes to you with a problem, you say, I don't know, how would you solve it? And usually they give, they have the right answer. And even if they don't, usually it's, you know, in the right direction. And then you just can, can, you know, adjust them a little bit. And um, as soon as I had people solving their own problems, the revolving door stopped at my door. And that's when I was able to, to, to start traveling and, and, and taking advantage of those, those great things that, that can happen when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I think it's cool that Elon Musk sleeps on the factory floor and all that because you know, he's trying to change the world. But, um, but I believe that if I can put in 40 hours or 50 hours and then travel you know, 12 weeks a year and still you know, check my email and keep things going, that, um, that I can have both. And for... For about 15 years, I've been traveling one week a month. Think about that. Three months wow. a year. And uh, for the last eight years, I've been traveling by sailboat, and I've sailed over 30,000 nautical miles. My wife and I sailed uh, through the Caribbean, South America, through the Panama Canal, all the way up to San Francisco, California, and all the way back. And we sold that boat, and now we're building a new um, catamaran in uh, South Africa in a beautiful town called Nizna. And we're going to take delivery of that boat in November and then sail it back to the Caribbean. And then uh, I'll spend the next two years sailing the Pacific and crossing the Pacific and all that. And, I and, I, and I do all that. And I do all that while still running my business and, and my family and my grandkids. And, and, and you know, so I'm at, I, I, I'm at the helm of the business and I'm at the helm of my boat and I'm able to do both. I and if that. anybody ever wants to call me and discuss and talk and, you know, uh, just workshop or whatever. I am a pay pay it forward guy. I've had a really, really great opportunity. I love working. I love this country. I love the opportunities it provides. I like to help people. Um, uh, you, You can imagine I'm very charitable at this point in my career. And I love that more than anything. It's my greatest joy. And uh, I, I'm the fundraising campaign manager for a, uh, a, a charity called Warrior Sailing, where we do community outreach to injured and ill veterans uh, through sailing. Love and um, and anyway, so that's uh, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. I love it, Randy. So what's the best way for people like, uh, to live vicariously through your uh, adventures uh, on the sea? Well, we had a pretty popular YouTube channel for about four and a half years called Sailing SV Happy Together. So if anybody wants to see uh, what I look like, uh, go to YouTube and type Sailing SV Happy Together, and you'll see I produced 84 videos. Once we got into the 60s and 70s, we got pretty good. I had a producer, I had an editor, and we were doing, a, you know, every two weeks launching a video, and we had several million views on YouTubes. And so when I go to the Annapolis Sailboat Show, I'm actually famous, and people take selfies that's hilarious. with us. And then when I walk outside of the show, nobody knows me. Uh, that's um, awesome. And then, uh, and then we have an Instagram called Sailing SV Happy Together, where we just post our travels and that sort of thing. I love it. I love it. Well, Randy, I am so grateful for Craig connecting us. And uh, we are grateful for you to really give your time and knowledge to the Bulletproof community. So until next time, 
Hopefully it'll be on your new boat in South Africa. Cause we're all cut co- me, Craig and Peter coming down there and, and we're For just sure. going to hang out. For sure. I love hey, it. Hey, Chris, thank, thank you. Um, your energy is infectious, infectious. And uh, from the day you and I met, we were fast friends and kindred spirits. I love it. Well, this is uh, tough talk uh, under bulletproof and that's a wrap.